Hey guys, and welcome to Money Talks News, the podcast. You know, this has been a crazy year. Crypto's fallen 70%. The stock market's been horrible. Bonds have had their worst year since the 1700s. We've watched inflation hit levels not seen since Reagan was in the White House. What does all this mean as we move into a new year? Today, we're going to take a look at some of the biggest stories of 2022 and, more importantly, how they might impact your pocketbook as we move into 2023. I'm Stacey Johnson, as usual. My co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. Hey, Stacey. Let's, well, I can't believe it's time for a new year, but let's do this. Let's do it. And today we've got a special guest with us, too. Craig Farentino, certified financial fiduciary at Craig James Financial Services. Hello, Craig. Welcome, everybody. Great to be here. Before we start, remember, guys, this is not financial advice you may be hearing. So even if we uh, discuss specific investments, they are not. This is not financial advice. Do your own research. Consult your own experts like Craig before acting on anything that you may learn here. OK, let's start. Right in. in fact, Craig, let's start with you. Give us a little bit of background. How did you become our expert on today's podcast? Where are you from? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, I found the Craig James Financial Services uh, 16 years ago because I felt there was a need to give independent, objective financial advice not owned by any bank or insurance company, so I can tell you like it is. There's nobody standing over me with sales goals or whatever. So with that is like, I started to eke out the truth. We look at a lot of media. Um, my background is I was started out at JP Morgan many years ago, uh, down on Wall Street, uh, then worked to Smith Barney, AG Edwards, mostly also down in the Wall Street area. And uh, got my master's degree, uh, Columbia Uptown, that Morgan paid for it, thank you, JP. And uh, <laughs> was able to uh, keep going. And then we set up a nice little niche like boutique firm uh, where we help people manage their assets, but also get a, get a handle on the big picture uh, in, in the financial world. So we kind of pull in a lot of different information from things like that. So I've been doing that for quite a period of time and, and uh, it's been very, very successful so far. Well, and, and actually you're on the perfect, you're talking about generalizing and helping people understand what's going on. You're on the perfect podcast because that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the biggest stories this year and, and how they might impact us going forward. Uh, so with that, let us start. Now, Miranda, let's play a game. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say what I think is the biggest story of the year. And I want you, Miranda, to guess what you think that might be. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, you're probably going to talk about Russia invading Ukraine and the oil spike and everything that came after that. I was positive you were going to be wrong, and you were right, which <laughs> which annoys me no end. <laughs> but you were right. I think the biggest story of the year is Russia invading Ukraine. And, and obviously, not just for the human tragedy, which, of course, is exactly what it is, but also because of the financial uh, effects that it had on the world. I mean, people are, could literally be starving, especially people in, in uh, third world nations. Oil prices went up. I mean, it, it's disrupted the entire planet. Uh, so to me, that is the biggest story of the year. And, and, and as a result of a lot of other things that are big stories came as a result of Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, including inflation, stock market crisis, stuff like that, I think, anyway. So that, to me, is the biggest story. Craig, you're the expert. What do you think is the biggest story? Do you agree that that's the biggest story, or do you think there's one even bigger? Uh, well, of recently, I think it's very, very interesting that the collapse of FTX. Ooh. Because when you throw a lot of this in, could this have precipitated, uh, could some of the deals that were going on that were unbeknownst to the world precipitated perhaps the Russian invasion? Could that have, you know, so could, of course, inflation is, is, is un, inflation's the result of what happened. But the collapse of FTX, we all had this idea of cryptocurrency for many years now. It's not like a new thing. Uh, it's been going very, very strongly. And here we're finding out 
that uh, it's there, there's some cockroaches in the closet, so to speak, in terms of their financials, but it was actually backing their currency. And so I think because a lot of global transactions uh, were done in some sort of like a non non-identifiable transaction that might have caused a lot of problems that we don't know about or will be revealed in the new year. Yeah. And, you know, actually, let's back up a step there, Craig, because I think that that is a huge story. And it's one that just happened not long ago, just a few weeks right. ago. But there's going to be somebody listening to this podcast who doesn't know what FTX is and never heard of them. So right. explain a basic, you know, real quick explanation of who is FTX? Why does that why does that matter? Well, it was a firm founded by uh, Sam Bankman-Fried and a few other investors. You got some hedge funds involved. And they created this token, which is sort of like a Bitcoin. And again, not my expertise, but it has, it has this whole process where buying and selling through blockchain. And, and Sam Bankman-Fried had this vision. As a matter of fact, a lot of famous people said he was like the new JP Morgan of our era, something we would look at. He was actually transforming the whole cryptocurrency world in trying to uh, manage compliance with reporting and everything else. And so, but in the meantime, cryptocurrency, if you need to pay for something, particularly on the deep web, it's a way to do a transaction without using US dollars or using your Amex card or your Visa card. And so it's sort of untraceable. And so when there's so much of this money or, or deals going around, uh, so he created, a, he was creating a, a fully uh, synchronized environment to uh, buy and sell cryptos and, uh, and account for it in something that would compete with the U.S. dollar at one point. So now, well, I, I, go ahead, Miranda. I wonder why, why is this such a giant story? So I think one of the biggest issues with FTX is its relationship. So the first, actually the first thing that's, well, not the first thing, but the thing that Sam Bankman-Fried founded before he founded the cryptocurrency exchange FTX was Alameda Research. And this is a hedge fund. And so... What they were doing is originally before he got FTX set up um, and when they were trying to get people to get their their coins over there, to get their money there, they were, in, they were commingling funds. So one of the biggest issues with this and one of the biggest problems with this bankruptcy is that Alameda and FTX were commingling funds even though they were supposed to be separate business ventures. And on top of that, a lot of the collateral that FTX was using and Alameda was using, both of these companies were using, were in what Craig talked about was the FTT token, were in their own token. So basically, they were using their own token for collateral. Uh, they were commingling funds. And they were doing things that made it look like FTT was worth more than it was. Uh, and so, so when things started to fall apart, when crypto winter sets in, when, when everything's falling and it's all going, uh, to shit, um, what you have is you've got this token that is not as, you know, not as valuable as, uh, they said, they're starting to find all of these things and, um, a hacker. And for those of you who aren't watching this on video, I'm using air quotes and hacker, um, supposedly came in, stole, uh, hundreds of millions worth of, of, of customer funds, and they don't know where it went. But they've discovered there are all sorts of back doors between FTX and Alameda. And, um, and this is just a theory, and this isn't allegedly, allegedly, but somebody thinks that maybe somebody at FTX slash Alameda um, might have actually stolen the funds, and it's not actually, you know, and, and they're talking fraud. No, uh, they're talking fraud has, has this Has too. this caused a crisis in confidence in crypto in general, the, the bankruptcy of this giant uh, trading platform, has, has this caused a crisis of confidence from which crypto may never recover? What do you think? 
I think there's a possibility that that's true. And, you know, and, and the other issue too is, you know, when you start looking at it, it's, and you know, I have, I have crypto and I've had crypto for 10 years. And, uh, but at the same time, it's like crypto still hasn't yet transcended the situation where it provides something that's not already provided and it doesn't provide something that's not already provided in an easier manner. FTX, you know, supposedly that was the vision of FTX, that it was supposed to provide all of these benefits and was supposed to do so quickly and easily. Um, so that's that's the issue, right? Is, is this going to expose the fact that so far, thus far, um, blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies haven't actually solved any sort of problem and has not done so in a well, meaningful it, way. Ethereum, and it Ethereum's been used. You know what? Actually, let's not let's not dwell too much on this. Yeah, uh, because, let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, let, let's see. Move on. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, let me ask you one quick question. Round robin. Um, uh, what's what, uh, what's it called? Bitcoin was sixty four thousand um, dollars last maybe about last September, I think. Now it is sixteen thousand dollars. So it's dropped a ton. Okay. So here's our here's my question for our panel: Are you a buyer right now of this today? Are, are you are you going to say this was crap? I should have never been in the first place. I'm never going to touch it, or something in between. Craig, oh, or, oh, or, or either one. Miranda, go first. I'm just going to say, oh, honey, I'm I'm just a holder because because I you know I never bought any of my Bitcoin. I was given one in 2011. I mined a block of 12 in 2012, right after it halved, and I so I'm just holding. So you're not a buyer, like I, and you're not a yeah, seller either. Yeah. She's still yeah. ahead of the game. I sold some. I sold some in early 2021. I think we talked about this. I sold some in early 2021. But I, the the Bitcoin I have, is uh, is what I have, and I'm just kind of hanging. Okay, but somebody comes up to you <laughs> we'll today and they happens. say, Miranda, you're an expert. Should I buy it? Should I buy it when all is cheap? You're saying no. You would not. I probably would not. Okay, no, Craig, I'm just hold your on turn. To what I have. Well, you know, as an investor, I always say buy low, sell high. You know. If you liked it at 64, you like it at 16. But I am not making any recommendations by any stroke of the imagination. I'm not licensed, you know. The oh, well, actually, okay, let's ask you, Craig, <laughs> are you personally a buyer at, at 16? Uh, I can't uh, comment on that either. So oh, okay, okay. I didn't mean to put you in, in between a dog and a fire hydrant there. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Uh, here, Another thing I put on my list, and you guys are welcome to shout out stuff yourself too, but oil and gas prices. Um, oil, gasoline reached $5 a gallon nationwide in June uh, of this year. It's since come down a lot. Uh, but that was a big story, a huge story, because a lot, I mean, like, you, you watch the nightly news and they're out there with a microphone at gas stations every day. And, and people are going, oh, no, I can't feed my children. You know, I, you know, everybody couldn't afford gasoline. Huge story. Everyone hated Biden as a result. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, this was a big story. Now, where do you see oil and gas prices going? uh next year or yeah go ahead Miranda what do you think it's much I mean, lower it's now sort of, yeah it's much lower now I think it sort of depends on what OPEC does it also depends on whether we actually get serious about um our energy portfolio in general uh because until we actually get serious about our energy portfolio and I and that includes you know because part of the issue right is everybody's like oh well if we all have electric cars yes but electric cars get electricity from the grid right. and the grid is largely powered by oil and coal. And so until we manage to get to this point where we actually have this diverse energy portfolio, and that includes, uh, that includes, you know, geothermal, wind, solar, hydropower, and nuclear until we actually have a wide range, wide range energy portfolio until we get serious about it, you know, like 
we're kind of at the mercy of OPEC, regardless of whether we release our strategic reserves. We've got a whole bunch of unused leases, <laughs> oil and gas leases in the country. So it's like, you know, to develop, even if, even if all of a sudden all of them decided to develop all of these unused oil and gas leases, we'd still take years to get up there. So, you know, so I, I think oil is on- going to go higher. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, right now yeah. we're at like about we're at the, seventy. Yeah, the I, I want to say seventy-two dollars a barrel. I don't know. It's it's the, what December eighth today. Uh, I, I think oil is around seventy. It's been as high as one hundred and twenty at least. Uh, I, I say it goes back to one hundred next year. Uh, well, we're gonna we're, we're gonna talk more about whether we think we're gonna go into a recession or not. But I, I think oil is it's about where it started the year right now actually. So it went up a whole bunch, came back down to about where it started the year. I say it's gonna go higher. Do you have an opinion on on that, Craig? Uh, I agree with both Miranda and you, Stacey. I think that uh, oil does uh, go higher. You know, it hasn't been a, when the Northeast gets really, really cold is when I, I've been doing this a long time is when everybody, is when you start to see the prices go up. Uh, I have no empirical evidence on that, but it's just uh, my gut. And so far it's been, you know, it's like 55 degrees today. So when we get that really cold snap on the Northeast, you'll see the demand go up. Uh, that said, let me just comment on some of the things that uh, Miranda was saying. Was that uh, you know the strategic petroleum reserve is only about eighteen, ten percent now. We've depleted a good amount of it to keep the prices, and that's being uh, through the through the uh, it's gone through the industry. Uh, the government's agreed to buy oil at eighty dollars a barrel. Uh, but seventy, so, I think. Uh, seventy. Okay. I think. So I think that's what they said. I heard eighty, but that's okay. We're within that range, but at some point, uh, that's going to keep the price. Uh, uh, constant, or they're not going to have that petroleum reserves. Um, uh, also, I think, uh, agree, again, with Miranda, in terms of it's a 10 or 15-year story to get us more uh, ener- efficient on how we how we use energy in terms of uh, the whole product, because it just really has a lot of retooling. In the meantime, you don't want to cr- trash your economy. There's people in Europe, as you know, like stapling themselves to paintings and and standing in front of runways and airports yeah. and stuff like that so you get the you get that group out there and it's just not going to happen just only like two percent right now of our energy in the united states is that and the other thing i want to make sure is that uh, we know that this is a you know the primary role of government is to defend its people a lot of tanks don't run on uh don't run on solar panels a lot of our a lot of the energy that we have to protect ourselves as a country and the peoples and the population uh, still runs on mostly uh, fossil fuels. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's coming around, and I think there's been some changes for what what we see in the beginning of the new administration to where we are now in terms of having a little bit more working one way versus the other, having a more realistic approach. We'll see how that plays out in the next two years. But uh, they were like, no fossil fuels, and now I think they're starting to say, well, you know, and, uh, the thing is, we haven't talked about OPEC in years. You know, OPEC was like, I remember OPEC, right? We used to talk about it every week. And there was a couple of years there in the last seven or eight years where never mentioned in the press about OPEC because we were producing our own energy. Yeah. So now we're talking about, now we're worried about Saudi Arabia and this whole, and it was something I grew up with. It's something I went to, I studied, you know, but now we're back to where we were. It's like uh, back to the future, which is the present, which is the past. And I was hoping to move out of that model so that, uh, it could change some of the global dynamic, both for investors and for uh, and for world peace. Well, I'll tell you what. What I you know I I've done a million news stories on different topics over the years, of course. But one thing I have done consistently is said if you're pissed off at high prices somewhere, let's say your cable company or gas company, you know, their oil company. 
what you do is buy their stock <laughs> because that offsets uh, because they're going to be making more money if gas prices are higher. And that's going to offset the money you're paying at the pump. Now, obviously, that everybody can't do that. But, you know, I, I'm fortunate. I bought a whole bunch of gas or oil stocks in, in 2009 uh, during the, the Great Recession. And they sat there until now, you know, until this year. So I, I've been happy that I was hedged by owning oil stocks. And by the way, I have not sold them. I think oil's like I said, I think oil is going to go higher. And so I'm holding on to my oil stocks. Right now, they're, they're certainly off their highs. But I think they're going to go back up. Uh, so I own some big, big oil companies, ConocoPhillips, uh, and several different things. But anyway, right now we have to take a quick break. We're in the middle of our show. When we come back, though, I'm going to throw a story out that I think was competing for top story with the invasion of Ukraine. Uh, a, a really important story and one that I think everyone will relate to. We're going to go to that right after this. Okay, we are back. Well, okay, we're, we're going to do the guessing game again. Miranda, what, what, what's the story that's, that's as big, that almost, almost as big to the American consumer, I'm giving you a hint now, as, as was the invasion of Ukraine? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know. Like, are, are you going to be talking about, like, the bonds markets? No, well, I, I'm going to talk about markets, but no, the story's inflation. Oh, infl- okay. So, well, I thought, I, thought, I thought inflation was part of your Ukraine well, story. Well, it is. It is. And so that's why it really wasn't a fair question. But, I mean, if you ask, if you stop anybody on the street, stop 10 people on the street right now and say, what's, what's the, oh, yeah. your, your, your biggest agree. concern? They're going to say inflation. All 10 that, of them. That was going to be my big story. And yeah. you took it from me. Inflation uh, <laughs> it got hit 9.1%, uh, the highest since 1981. That was in July. Uh, it's come down a little bit since, since then, but it's still high. And that's a huge story for a lot of people. Um, here, here's some examples I, that I cut and pasted here. Uh, meat, poultry, fish, and eggs up 8%. Fruit and vegetables, 9%. Electricity, 14% higher. Utility, gas, the gas service for your house, 20% higher. Uh, airline fares, 43% higher. This is at the end of November, by the way. Uh, rent of primary residence, 7.5% higher. This, is, this stuff is hitting people where they live. It's hitting them where it hurts. Is it going to subside in 2023? A lot of times we talk about inflation, we talk about spot prices. So what's the price of oil today? What's the price of oil next week? You know, Those are pretty much the price we pay today. Those have fluctuated. What's longer? So uh, let's say you're in a you're in an apartment in New York City, and your rent was twenty four hundred dollars, and you want to you know you couldn't get a two year lease, so your one year lease is up. Now it's thirty two hundred. Well, now I'm up thirty percent on my lease, and that price is going to stay there for the whole year. Yeah, that's not there's no break on that, so that's sticky. If you're Subway and you charge five dollars for a one foot sub. But your cost of materials, meaning tuna fish, whatever you put in that sub, has gone up, and you move that to six dollars or seven dollars, you're not going back to five. Yeah, There's, that's a sticky thing, and so we. I like to separate what's sticky in inflation and what's not. And what's the stickiest thing of all, Craig? Wages. Absolutely. I mean, look at. I mean, just yesterday, I was talking to my managing editor, and she said, "Stacy, we got to give the writers more money next year." Miranda will be happy to hear. They deserve it. Um, yes. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> but you know, imagine me going to them in 2024 and saying, "You know what, you guys? Now that inflation's down, I'm going to pay you less for the stories you're writing." <laughs> that ain't happening. Once you give somebody a raise, they own that raise the rest of their life, and they're going to ask you for another one next year. So talk about sticky. And I think that's one of the biggest problems we're having with inflation now. I think wage inflation is, and I think that the Fed's having trouble bringing it back. 
Dollar, well, wage... General, dollar General is at a dollar twenty-five now. Right, that's but a wages... raise. That's not an eight percent. Yeah, you know, dollar wages, tree. wages, wages still haven't kept price kept pace with inflation. Wages haven't kept pace with inflation for decades. So it's wages aren't a driver of inflation. They did a thing, and wages account for a very small percentage of recent inflation. It's mostly corporate profits. They've well, that is Got true. that out there now. <laughs> like corporate profits are accounting for a good portion of the inflation because, you know, like you were saying, Stacey, like companies are looking at it and going, okay, inflation makes a good uh, excuse for us to not only rise, raise prices in terms of what things are costing us, but then add a little extra on top of it. Uh, companies' profit margins are rising. Okay, comrade, and, and, you made your point. <laughs> but it's there; it's in the yeah. research, and they actually talk. No, about I it. know you're right. You're right. They've been talking about it in their earnings reports for a year now. Yeah, like that's you can absolutely actually true. Hear it on their earnings calls. Yeah. Okay. So wait. Now, go ahead, Craig. What were you going to say? Yeah, I'm not all agreeing with you know. Last few times they said yes, I agree. So we could argue and still be friends. How's that? I go. think that. Uh, what we're missing out of the equation is, you know, consumption is important. That's what drives our economy. And as people pay, we've been doing well, irrespective of what you think wages are, because people are spending, right? If they weren't, if they didn't have money, they wouldn't spend. So the economy has been motoring along pretty well in what you think is a low inflation environment and a low wage increase, and they haven't kept up, and corporate profits. Companies are in business, obviously, to make money, and that's what they're there for. You don't create a business and we just share everything. Uh, that's and the, the third thing I was just very, very important is that we're missing one big part. You look at the economy and the GDP, you know, it's consu- you know, member from economics, consumption plus investment plus growth. So um, we have something, with the, there's the revenue side and then there's the expense side. I haven't heard anywhere, and maybe the three of you could give me ideas, but we're going to cut the Department of Interior by 2% because we just can't provide the level of services. We're going to cut the Department of Transportation by 3%. There's no, there's no, uh, my argument is that there's no uh, abeyance in corporate spend, in government spending, which is a lot much more than uh, that's really rising. So if we have so much in government spending, I, again, there's not been anything cut uh, from anything in any agency in the U.S. government. And so if we lower the spending, I know it sounds Republican, I don't know what you would call that, but we haven't lowered any spending. And so that's part of the bill here. If we can get our we get our own house in order yeah. as a country, I think it'd be a lot better. That makes sense. Well, I, I do think inflation is going to temper in 2023, but I think it is, uh, it is going to go, it's going to be slower than, than people want it to. I think it's going to be around for a while. And I don't know that we're going to hit 2%, which was the Fed's goal for a very long time. Um, but okay, let, let's move on because we, we're gonna. How much time do we have? Oh, God, not, oh, yeah, not much. Run, many more topics. Away. Okay, but go, but go I ahead, do go want, ahead, Miranda. I do think we need to make sure that we mention uh, student loan forgiveness as yes, a major I know. Story yeah, I, knew, this year. I didn't think that was a huge story. You did because you probably have student loans. I, well, so well, so and actually, so most of my student loans are actually not eligible to be forgiven because they're the, under the old FEL program, um, and that's not an issue for me right. because they're so low. They're one point nine percent. I don't care. I'm just letting them right out till the end because I'm making way more money in the market than I would paying them off. So, so I don't care. Uh, but, uh, but I think student loan forgiveness is a big story because, you know, more than 40 million people in the U S are affected by student loan debt. Um, student loan debt amounts to $1 trillion, more than $1 trillion. Um, and so I just think that's a big story because it, you're right. I, I, I it's a big misspoke story. when I said it, affects, it was a big story. Obviously it's it, a big it story. It affects a lot of people. Do you think it, it goes was, away? Do you, do you think it's going to happen? 
And I don't know, like we're, we're waiting. The Supreme Court will like, they've blocked, they've blocked, uh, they've blocked the student loan forget. And that's the other no- news story too, right? Is like, everybody got super excited about it. And now it's been blocked in the courts and the Supreme Court will actually be hearing arguments about it in February. Yeah, well, we'll see then. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, so, so, yeah. I, first so, of all, I, mean, I don't know a lot about this. Cause I don't read a lot about it because it doesn't really affect me that much. I read obviously the the headlines and whatnot. But my my thought would be that they're gonna. It's going to be tough to get it done. I, I you know I don't think Supreme oh, yeah. Court's a friend so, of Biden's, and I and I don't think it's they're going to approve it. But I, yeah, but again, so, I mean, I'm no expert yeah. on this subject at and, all. And if you yeah, and, and those of you who are interested, we did do an episode on student loan forgiveness, so you can check oh, yeah, that right. out. We did. We'll have a link in the show notes. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, are, are you ready to move on? Anybody have any other comments oh, yeah, no. on student loan? Okay. The stock market has to be one of the biggest stories of the year. Uh, right. the, the first half of the year um, was the worst in 50 years in the stock market. As of November 30th, uh, which is about a week ago, the S&P had fallen 17 th- 17%, the Dow had fallen 7%, and the NASDAQ fell 30%. However, those numbers are benign compared to some stocks. I mean... Uh, Meta, a stock I own, uh, used to be Facebook, has gone from three hundred and fifty dollars to one hundred and fifteen. That's now sixty-seven percent. This is a this is a trillion-dollar company, or was, uh, and it's, it's the stock has almost been cut in half, more than cut in half. I'm sorry, Our, um, Amazon cut in half, one of the biggest, and and my my favorite, Carvana. <laughs> Carvana was such a popular stock. Now listen to this, folks, two hundred and seventy-four dollars at its height, four dollars today. It's down 98%. So there are some people who just got wiped out in the stock market this year. Uh, everybody got hurt. Some people got really, really hurt. Remember remember Kathy Wood, the darling of 2021? She knew she, she runs a, a fund called the ARC Innovation Fund. And she and boy, that thing was zooming and everybody loved. She was on TV more than more than a news anchor. She's on every show all the time talking about all these these companies. The, the unfortunate part was the companies didn't make money uh, because they were bets on the future. And then that stock has gone, her uh, ARK Innovation Fund has gone from 150 down to 34. It's down 75%. That's a lot worse than the 9% the Dow's fallen. So a lot of people got really hurt. That's a huge story. Does it get better in 2023, Craig? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, good. I think I think 2023 is sort of a holding period. We still have to some of the changes we made in the economy, including the high interest rates. Uh, you know, we'll get some information about that next week. Another maybe 75 to 50 basis point increase hasn't been played out in companies. They have made some adjustments, but as we start to slow the economy down, uh, a lot of the technology firms uh, tend to lag the markets. And some of the things that you were talking about earlier, uh, Stacey, was that, uh, you know, we're going to go with energy or something that pays a little bit of a dividend. Uh, I think that that makes sense. You know, if you're going to collect a few dividends while you wait for the United States economy to come back, I think that uh, might be a more prudent uh, rule. These companies did a great job hiring, particularly during COVID. You got companies like Zoom, which, you know, sort of like non-existent that uh, now everybody's kind of like, I'm going to, I'll give you a zoom later. You know, kind of like we said, we'll Google that, you know, it was like one of those things became a normal I'm looking uh, up thing right now. that also came down too. So you could have threw that on the list, but, um, you know, I think that with the technology they overhired and so now they have to let some of those people go, but they're being hired by other people in the industry or in different industries. So it's not really, we're not getting the economy cooling enough 
So we're the Fed. The bottom line is you, we're, we're all trying to fight the Fed and we're trying to make money in an increasing interest rate environment. And it's going to get tougher and tougher as those rates go higher and higher. And that'll play out over time, I think, in 2023. I agree. I, I think we're going to have a bad first half of 2023 and a good second half. So I, I'm okay. looking for the market to top out around 4,200 on the S&P and then drop back to about 3,300. Uh, and then I'm going to be a buyer with both hands. I, I still have a lot of money in the market, though. I'm not smart enough to time the market. So I keep I keep my uh, I keep my money <laughs> in the market, but I also keep powder. What's that? <laughs> yeah, you're more than welcome. I don't mind being wrong. I do it all the time. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, so uh, what about you, Miranda? Positive on the market next year? Negative? I mean, I don't know, because we've been waiting for a real honest-to-goodness crash since 2017, and we haven't had it. We've had we've had periods of, like, we've had flash crashes. We've had short-term Well, it, it, when COVID came out, we had pretty damn near a crash, and, and some yeah, might and argue that— Yeah, and then it recovered. But then yeah, it, it did, recovered right away. at a yeah. record rate. It did, it <laughs> and did. It recovered but at I mean, a But the Nasdaq's but down 30% this year. I mean, that's not right, nothing. Right, right. But we haven't seen, but we haven't seen like, a real, true, honest-to-goodness Like the one in 2009. Yeah, we 2000, haven't seen yeah. an honest, sustained crash yet. We haven't seen something—like, we'll have days— like we'll have days when it's like, oh no, it's down 500. And then the next day it's back up 400. And so it's like, we haven't seen like a sustain. We haven't seen that kind of sustained thing. So I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think we're, and I, I agree with you. I think we're going to go lower before we go higher. And I think the, always, you know, the earnings are going to come in lower. Yeah. And I think always, it's going to make stock prices lower. Go ahead. As what? always, I continue to dollar cost average. I stick yeah. with my plan and I have, I have money set aside so that if, you know, I find some good bargains, I can deploy my cash if I feel like it. Okay. Now, right on the heels of the stock market being a big story, the bond market's an even bigger story. How many times in the history of investing have both stocks and bonds gone down in the same year? Very few times. And, and one of the uh, – here's a headline. This is a, this is a headline from the Wall Street Journal, I think. Um, the worst performance since – ready? 1788. <laughs> Benchmark <laughs> here. <laughs> Benchmark U.S. Treasuries are facing their worst annual returns since 1788. Um, that's according to a team of strategists at Bank of America. They looked at 250 years of history and concluded that bonds have had the worst year ever since. That This is literally 12 years after Washington was crossing the Delaware. That's how long it's been since since the bonds have done this badly. Um, and that obviously is a result of interest rates being zero, and then they went to uh, five, you know, are close to on the Fed funds rate. So it, uh, higher rates mean lower bond prices. That's why bonds have gotten creamed. I think interest rates going to drop some next year. I'd be a buyer of bonds here. I'd be a buyer of longer term bonds. Do you, do you agree with that, Craig? Uh, yes, I do. I, you know, the bond market right now is communicating something very unusual. It's telling us we should be in a recession and a deep one. You have the two-year treasury uh, at over 4% and the 10-year treasury at a three point. Four was over four, but now three point four percent as of this week, uh, as of this morning. Uh, that's a big. That's a big uh, red flag. Yep. But the thing that's the the monkey wrench, <laughs> the, whatever that term, yeah, the fly in the ointment, so to speak. How's that? Uh, STP Stone Temple Pilots. So flies uh, <laughs> in the Vaseline. We are there. We go. All right, Miranda. So uh, when you think about that, it's just very very dangerous because uh, what we have here is uh, with the inverted yield curve, it's giving us the ability. Uh, for short-term borrowers, you're kind of telling people, look, we don't know what the long-term is on this country, but short-term, here's what you're getting. And the, the demand, uh, people are afraid to go short-term. They want to go long-term in our country. And so what that does is that uh, the, the big fly in the ointment, as I was getting to, is the fact that the unemployment rate is so strong. 
and that uh, meaning that the more people are employed, there are jobs available, like 10.75 million job openings uh, with not enough people, even with the layoffs from Amazon and a couple of things that you were talking about earlier, uh, there's still not enough people to fill the jobs. Uh, and so that's what we need. Uh, so because of that, I think the, the equity market has been doing very, very well and will teeter into pretty good size into next year. Uh, different than a scary first half because there's still these open jobs available. If the economy gets so bad that we don't need those open jobs, that's when you start to see some capitulation. Yeah. Well, and, you know, actually, I was just reading an article yesterday. I'm trying to find uh, notes on it now. But consumer confidence thinks Wall Street. Okay. Wall Street chorus grows louder warning that 2023 will be ugly. This is from yesterday. Goldman Sachs said economy faces bumpy times ahead. J.P. Morgan, uh, Jamie, or Jamie Dimon said it's going to be a mild to hard recession. Morgan Stanley, they all, this is all this week, these guys have said this. Morgan Stanley's wealth management's Lisa Chalet, Chalet, I don't know, uh, told Bloomberg that corporations are facing a rude awakening on earnings. Uh, so the messages become increasingly dire. So that, uh, the, the, actually, you know, I'm so, I was convinced that we were going to have a, a brief shallow recession. The market was going to go down the first few months of the year, 2023, and then improve for the second six months. But there's, the, there's such a consensus on that exact view that I'm starting to think it has to be wrong. Because <laughs> anytime everybody says the same thing, you're about to have your hat handed to you. I mean, because there's just no way that everybody's yeah. going to be right. You, so I think Stacey, it's going to be worse than that. that or it's going to be better than that. <laughs> What's that? Steve, you could have read that six months ago. It was the same headline. You know, back <laughs> That's in true. March. Matter of fact, you could have read that nine months ago in March, and this is exact. It's been, you know, just a repeat, a repeat, a repeat. So, uh, you know, you know, I think it's uh, when everybody, you know, there's always people that say one thing, one or the other, and it's in the end, it's going to be who you believe. And so we just got to make sure that yeah. we're not being lied to. Yeah. And that's, what the, that's why the, the crypto story was very scary for the year. As opposed to other things where you say, okay, these are economic things. We understand where they come from. If you're telling this is red and it's blue, and we find out it's blue, you're being lied to, that's a different, all bets are off then because then you can't predict the economy. Yeah. Well, as usual, guys, we've run over our allotted time. Uh, does anybody have anything compelling that they need to tell our audience before we leave? Just, just as you're looking at these scary headlines, uh, just to remember that the best thing you can do is, is you know, figure out a financial plan, keep your debt as low as possible, Invest what you can and just keep moving forward because a lot of the stuff we can't control. And so Most the best thing we can do is uh, is make some good plans and uh, try and develop good money habits. Good, solid, albeit boring advice from Miranda. I'm boring. We know this. I am <laughs> no, just good boring advice. all I'm the just, time. <laughs> just teasing. That's good advice. Craig, any last thought? Yeah, there is no other alternative, Tina. The United <laughs> States is the best uh, country in the world and uh, best place to invest still, even with all the uh, all the warts that we talked about just before yeah. uh, you know long term it's uh, I couldn't find another place to be you sir are a patriot we are out of time folks we are never however out of topic so dig a little deeper you're going to find links to lots more info in our show notes and you can find a link also to Craig's if, in case you want some quality financial advice and remember if your goal is to make more to spend less to retire rich your online home is moneytalksnews.com that's moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. And you can find Craig at his website, which is craigjamesfinancial.com. Again, all these links are available in our show notes. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, well, don't just sit there. Tell us. All you got to do is email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. That's hello 
at moneytalksnews.com. And one last thing, if you like what we do, then do something for us. Subscribe to our podcast. Takes you two seconds. Helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. I'm Stacy Johnson. I'm Miranda Marquette. And I'm Craig Farentino. That was perfectly done, Craig. Very good. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. We're going to see you right here next time.